Welcome to Third World Gaming, the number one show based on the statistics of two people, Paolo and I. And it's the number one show in this very room, because there's no other competitor here. Yep, I'm Miko, the Ironic Gamer, and with me is the Cloud of Doom, Paolo. First off, there is a competition, and there is a competition going on here. Secondly, it's not happening between you and I, because we're, 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 in, we're in this together and through it all. What I am going to say is that the competition, probably with someone sentient farts. Yeah, those things are really, really hard to beat. I mean, they're humorous. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, gosh, they're almost as humorous and scary as microtransactions. Yeah, guys, you heard this right, microtransactions. You know, the thing we were talking about last time we, actually last time me and Paolo were on the show, because you remember last week it was just kind of me. Do yeah. apologize right now when you mention, do apologize right now. I'm trying to think of my microtransactions and for a moment I feel, I felt like my head was being boiled like the pork bones used to make tonkatsu broth. Mmm, tonkatsu broth. But yeah, microtransactions, if you were wondering, is was simply using your money to buy these small items within games. I mean, the sure usual per- method would be to use i to use money to buy to buy um a cu- usually small items or trinkets that you that your character would use. But the general the generally popular method now is to use your money to buy an in-game currency that will, that may or may not be locked behind. A paywall, basically a kind of currency that you could only get via rather annoying repetitive tasks or can only be gotten through money. I think you might know this more from uh, iOS or Android games. Same with Facebook and certain like uh, games on, I think, PC. Certain free-to-play games yeah. on the PC actually have the, have the whole, whole regular currency, special currency thing. Some, so, I know for a fact that, I know for, the most recent one that comes to my head... Uh, however, was the fact that um, Loadout used a regular currency and a special currency, but the special currency was locked to um, locked to cosmetic items. Hmm. And also, another way to look at microtransactions is simply, well, transactions made after you purchase the game and are not really required for you to continue gaming. I mean, you can continue playing this game these mic- without ever going to a microtransaction. Uh, this is not like a DLC or anything else which would add content. A microtransaction simply maybe add a change of stats. Um, uh, Paolo said currency. A, gen- um, a general things. difference between DLC and and microtransactions is that for the most part, DLC is actually content that is added onto the game when <coughs> when installed. Um, microtransactions, on the other hand, tend to tend to actually be tend to usually be you paying money to un- to basically get certain things that you can get in the game but um with le- but you know with less effort since you're just um putting coin forward as opposed to spending time playing now you might be wondering if this is going to be a ranting episode saying all the evils of microtransactions and how microtransactions will bring down gaming society blah 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 uh no uh i will add that no because jim sterling already made that and made uh, no no not not once he made like five videos about that already not just that i mean the fact that uh microtransactions are being treated in the ill way is not because it's bad in its design it's abused it's yes heavily abused and treated like well it's like gravy train i mean people just milk it for money milk it for money cash cow type thing isn't they've Essentially, co- companies are being lazy and greedy at the same time. 
How there are actually a lot of good <laughs> microtransactions, and there's actually a setup to make a microtransaction good. But of course, it's a lot easier to make it bad. And I guess it's something we'll probably talk we'll talk about in more detail as we go on. And well, the origins maybe of microtransactions. Actually, when I think of a microtransaction, the earliest form I think I've ever seen it is actually not in a video game. What? Um, it was in actually really old school tabletops. Uh, this I I actually noticed a lot. Being I've been a dungeon master slash game master for tabletop games Are for you what, referring... 12 to fifteen years on this thing. Would you happen to be referring to ta- what tabletops in particular? Oh, guys, I've seen this done to? in D and D, A D and D, VTM. Uh, I've seen this done in Pathfinder, other things. With D and D, was would that was that related to the manual to the guides? The ma- the, uh, like the not really. Dungeon ma- the dungeon uh, master. I'd actually. Guides. Cons- Actually, those guys, I consider them DLC simply because they are actual content to add into it. Okay. But when it comes to microtransactions, this is actually done by between players and DMs slash GMs. I am not a dungeon master or a game master who has ever accepted any form of currency to help you boost a character or anything. But I have seen this done where players would pay DMs or GMs outside of the game to get increased luck to find relics and things. Because in D&D and AD&D, uh, we had a dungeon master's like cover to prevent players from seeing what we're doing. Yeah. Where you could roll your die and you made the decision. No one really questioned what you did. So I've actually seen this done. For me, the earliest form of microtransaction was actually via that where you'd kind of pay them under the table to get certain skills, items, or other things. That sounds really close to bribery to me. Uh... It, you're not really bribing him because, uh, for one, it's not like the action happens. Say, okay, I'm gonna give you this much, make it go away. No, this is really uh, under the table deal. It is a transaction. It's not really a legal transaction when it comes to the analog game thing. But it has been done. I've seen it done. That still sounds like a bribe. No, no, no. Well, no bribe like, is no, very different. No, because when I because I I know for a fact that most bribes are done under are done below the table. Oh uh, yeah, but uh, this one's really under the table dealing. I mean, for me, a bribe is, this is happening right now, so if I pay you, this will go away. I mean, I've seen people try to bribe me, especially when I run certain games, like when I run D&D, VTM, or even like the game I made, which is Chronicles of War. I've had people try to bribe me with, the most common bribe I've ever seen was actually towards me was food. Okay. Uh, besides food, I've been bribed with actual cash. Uh, I will not say the player's name, but someone from our big, our gaming circle, not from Bodega and things, actually offered to pay me 12,000 pesos to twink his character far better. I've been offered things like that. Hey, that it does happen. Uh, 12,000 pesos. Yeah. And this for a pay, this is for a pen and paper game. This is not a massively online game. This is really a game played with among right like 30 now, people I at best. Like, I apologize right now, but if you could actually see me, it'll look like I'm convulsing. Oh, he's surprised. Uh, this is something, that's why the first time I see microtransactions would be there. Uh, I've seen that in D&D, uh, when I played it in VTM. Pathfinders, to an extent, I've seen it happen to other people play Pathfinders, not myself. But for me, that's the earliest form of microtransaction. Oh, it was wait, I think under I... the handed dealing. Wait, actually, now that I think about it, while I haven't gone through it, I do know it's happened. Technically, since I did bring up the definition of microtransaction being a quick and easy way of unlocking certain content, basically, any basically, while I haven't gone through it, I'm pretty certain it's happened. Any time a kid, any time a bunch of kids, basically, any time a kid would pay another kid to give him this, to give them these Pokemon, 
Oh yeah, I mean, that's another version of microtransaction. Uh, it's a little different to how people see a microtransaction now. But it was essentially a transaction. I mean, you did microtransaction. You did not need this to happen for you to play the game. Yeah. It was not necessary for you to complete the game. However, by doing such, you are giving yourself an advantage using well your wallet. Yeah, and you are also and you are also not spending the time to get that thing. Hmm. In, However, fa in fact, those po those said Pokemon trades are still happening now. Oh yeah, of course. Especially among certain certain players in the competitive circuit. Um, how do I know this? I've I while I don't while I, while I haven't dabbled with competitive Pokemon, I do know I have dabbled with um, discussions amongst people who do frequent the scene, and it is frequently cited as a problem. Then again, not nearly as much of a problem as people who manipulate the random the random uh, number the random number generator that the game uses to like generate Pokemon out of the code. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I mean, I'd like to think that microtransactions started somewhere from there, and something probably the big companies saw that was occurring. But Actually, hey, we could probably make this a part of the system. The first, I think the I think the first ones to really try and do that were the MMO companies. I think because it's a uh, far simpler. I mean, it was, it's it's also far simpler to integrate micro microtransactions into an MMO environment, mostly because back around the time that that would have happened, MMOs were technically the only games that could uh, that could have had their systems updated spontaneously. So basically, they could. So basically, some MMO companies probably could have played with the idea of microtransactions then. Yeah, I mean, uh, one uh, quote unquote game being Second Life actually survives primarily on these microtransactions. <coughs> microtransactions being done either by the company itself giving you currency or other things, or simply players selling uh, items either they made or acquired to other players. Uh, it's, it's, that is, I mean, I'd like to consider Second Life not really a game, but more of a very interactive chat room. It kind of lacks certain things to really make it truly a game. So, but anyway, so, so it does have microtransactions. So, you're, so essentially, an, a highly interactive messaging app basically survives on microtransactions. Uh, primarily that, because people actually work in Second Life, actually make money off Second Life. I mean, there are a number of designers who can kind of live off what they do on Second Life. Mm, okay. I mean, Second Life, in fairness to it, is actually really like a Second Life in the terms of things you can do. So, okay. But the same way, that's why I don't even consider the game because it lacks many real game aspects versus MMOs. Anyway, we're uh, kind of straying off topic here. <coughs> I mean, that's or where... Going, or going back to our first topic. Mm -hmm. Micro when it comes to microtransactions, it really started with, well, small things. It came with people trying to get twinks from, like, uh, some bigger <laughs> players, uh, trying to play GMs or DMs for certain chances increase. And this is something I'd like to think that the same that I talked about last week about the achievements. Uh, it started out as a small thing that uh, video game companies thought, hey, let's replicate this. Maybe it's something people find interesting or something that we can make money off since it's already happening. I mean, by the company itself creating the transaction, it would actually make it more legitimate in terms of sales. It would also make it more obvious. Not just obvious, but also more maybe accepting in some way. But uh, that's where the slippery slope starts. Yeah. Where, sure, you may be sort of legitimizing the fact that people are using actual currency to buy in-game currency or items or such. But this is where the abuse starts. Yeah. If you are the if you are the game maker, <coughs> there is nothing actually stopping you from making an infinite amount of these items. There is also. 
technically, since you're also the one in control of the game and its systems, there's also nothing that there's also basically you basically have the chance to create certain premium items. And I emphasize the word premium because these would be items that could only be gotten via microtransaction. Um, case in point, I remember that, I remember, um, I remember the time I was dabbling in Mafia Wars for a bit. <laughs> enjoyed Mafia Wars. Yeah, um, <laughs> I actually bought an item on the store using <laughs> cell phone load. Don't, don't worry, man. I think we, I think everyone who's played the Facebook games at one point in time, Probably spent money on it. I mean, I have um, to just say I spent about $20 try- on Zynga at one point in time. I'm, I'm also trying to describe it. I'm proud of it. I'm also trying to describe it because he's... I mentioned the thing because I rem- because I got a... I think it was a car. No, no, not a car. Not I got it either. No, I got a rifle. I got a rifle for my uh, for my guy, for my um, Mafia Wars City thing. Yeah. When, you know, basically the there was a time that the numbers were uh, displayed in the hundreds. Yeah. Then an update came to that changed the values of the items and like you know the low basically a number of items were brought back to like thirty to like uh, two digit numbers right yeah items though that premium item I bought never got modified same with me but I did not get my premium with that I got it through like doing all those like small dailies and stuff I got mine through cell phone load I got mine through dailies <laughs> but this is actually where yeah the microtransactions becomes a problem. Because uh, in real life, yeah, uh, commodities are actually limited. You cannot have an infinite amount of them. When it comes to the gaming world, there's no such thing as a limit. I mean, all these limits are artificial by nature. Artificial. And if the person making it is also is you know, the person you're paying things, I mean, they have complete monopoly over what they can do with your in with your game life. They can. For all you know, the item that for all you know, the item that is considered the top tier must have item in one week. The guy, the guys making the game, what who, the guys and who are making the game would probably want to think that they could manipulate the market. So what do they do? They create, they create five thousand, six thousand extra copies of that item, sell that around, hoping to get money out of it. Or worse, which I've seen a lot, is they introduce a new item which makes your current item kind of pointless. Oh, that happens all the time. That happens a lot, and it for me doesn't make sense, especially if you're not a play, if you're a free-to-play player, or you're not a premium player. Suddenly, your item is made worthless, or your character is made worthless. And a number of the and a number of times, this is pretty bad because of the fact that this actually does break the game and the balance for people. Essentially, a number of these items that would be labeled as must-have, we've got to have it, you've got to have this if you want to join the endgame. These, uh, the, um, the thing is, if an item has that importance already, even if it's symbolic, then technically you're already creating a situation where, <clears throat> where, where basically us, where a select group of people, no matter how numerous they may be, have an have an advantage that was artificially created and is essentially that that is essentially and could potentially ruin the game for everyone else. Now you think we're probably going on ranting and you're about to think, oh gosh, when are they going to say anything good about microtransactions? Well, there is good to it. The thing is, the reason why we talk more bad is the fact it is so readily abused. No, um, um, I would I would not even say that it's so readily abused as being the bigger reason why to um, why we tend to discuss a number of the bad points quite a bit the bigger issue at hand is the fact is is the fact that it's very easy 
to abuse. Yes, very, very easy. In fact, um, I recall a, a new Star Trek game, as reviewed by Angry Joe, was um, criminal to this. Because you could not progress through the game unless you bought their you you bought the paid currency. And the thing is to finish to finish that game, you essentially paid the equivalent of um, I think it was either anywhere between sixty to hundred twenty dollars worth of that currency. Okay, that, that's a lot. I mean, uh, that was essentially buying the actual game. I mean, if I see that the amount of money required pays pretty much the same as buying the game. The game better be worth it. I mean, there are some games where I see this that's kind of okay. Sort of okay. But lots of times, it's nowhere... There are, I've barely seen a game that's worth 60 bucks that, or 20 bucks. Yeah, that, a start, that Star Trek game was essentially an over-glorified Facebook game. <laughs> with, um, with graphics that actually make South Park look like Picasso. Okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, that doesn't really work at all. But, I mean, like, uh, good examples of, like, microtransactions that actually work well are essentially microtransactions that maybe give you like a starter kits that for people maybe new to the game who might, hey, I can new to this, I don't really have much time to spend on this, but I can suddenly use my wallet at least to kind of give me a bit of a boost. I mean, this is not a boost to suddenly make you the all-powerful god that will crush every single person. But I mean, uh, this is something especially I noticed when I started working <laughs> in college where I just could not keep up with some of my friends in MMOs. Now, they could keep, the reason why they could keep up more things is they weren't working. So, their characters would have all these nice items, they get all these great things, and I'd be kind of stuck, what, a few levels down, or sometimes not getting the best items. As much as I power leveled over the weekends to catch up their level, I could never get their items. Uh, with those microtransactions, I at least could stay with them in a the sense that uh, if we go do certain quests, I would not be left out because, oh, you lack certain things. So those are times where I see that it's a kind of a nice option where I'm using money as a way to uh, have a circumvent the time that I may have spent on it. But the time that becomes bad, though, is when I pay this and suddenly become god. That's when it becomes a problem. Essentially, another good implementation of uh, microtransactions, and this actually goes back to the premium items argument. Essentially, if you're essentially if if you are going to make premium items that can be only gained via microtransactions, do not make those items essentially top tier. Essentially, make it that okay, these are relatively good items, but for the most part, you could still gain an equivalent or better item through natural through natural progression and free to play. Um, I usually talked about, another usually talked about good imp implementation is basically restricting microtransactions solely to cosmetic items. Oh, yeah. Hats. Yeah. Hats, <laughs> Things that, uh, hats skin, hats, uh, skins, Team Fortress. Hats, skins, trinkets that make, that give you bling, but for the most part don't give you like plus 200 attack or something. Well, I mean, like in Team Fortress they have that and, I mean, some of these items do give you perks, but it's not anything game breaking. Yes. Uh, actually, you can see this a lot in uh, Counter-Strike Global Offensive. Uh, I still play it every now and then. Uh, where you can actually purchase uh, skins for your guns and things that give you no real ability besides you know, just basic cosmetics. Uh, I find those interesting mainly because it adds your game. It kind of personalizes you. And I mean, yeah, I don't mind spending a few bucks to personalize myself. And it doesn't, again, break the game. Because I've seen games like a good, a good example being Crossfire and Mercenary where... It becomes an arms race. Be because every item is a forced rental. 
Not just that. I mean, there are items you can buy with actual game currency versus like uh, purchasing with your money. But the but the money ones are almost are almost always better. Uh, it it's pretty much better all the time. Uh, within like the tiers you're going through. But like in Crossfire, which is essentially a knockoff of Counter Strike, which you play online, that you can purchase things. <clears throat> uh, if you are going to purchase like uh, weapons that were not like uh, bought with your pesos, I'd easy spend about what. 100 to 200 to maybe 300 hours to buy one gun. Right. Now, if I use my currency, like, I could actually spend anywhere between 20 to 100 pesos and probably get about two to three guns. Somehow that remind, somehow that just brought me back to the fact that, that, um, I remember discussing a fee to pay with you, right? Mm -hmm. Basically, you put, basically, full price retail games. Aims pulling the same kind of a uh, kind of predatory microtransaction oh, yeah. as as certain bad free to plays, right? Your the case where you mentioned like two like two to three hundred hours that kind of felt like the old uh, Forza Five economy. Ooh, Basically, the only way the only way to unlock more cars was to spend unreal amounts of time. Someone actually did the math for unlocking for basically being able to unlock the cars. You're talking like six hundred hours to unlock everything. Yep, that sounds about right. I mean, uh, people say that hey, uh, it just says hey, it's just making the game hard, making it interesting. Look, this is how it goes. Like, uh, three hundred hours, <laughs> and I can only get one gun or spend twenty pesos. People say, hey, great, I can just spend twenty pesos and save myself three hundred hours. Uh here's the real thing about it. Uh, gamers who actually spend the three hundred hours, you're essentially telling them that their three hundred hours is worth twenty pesos. Now, I'm sorry to tell you this, but uh, it might you might think I prideful things, but my 300 hours is not worth 20 pesos. It is not. I and to be frank, there's a really good argument to say that your time is worth more than your money. Yes, very much so. Uh, and for you to kind of make my time worth this is kind of very unfair. And of course, now some people are saying, "Hey, just pay that thing. It's not gonna be much. It's just 20 pesos." That'd be true if you know these most of these guns kind of stayed with you, or lots of them actually are not they're rentals <coughs> actually some guns you purchase with your in-game currency are still <coughs> rentals yes and for right. me that never made sense the fact that you're paying real money at least in the older games where you paid real money you kept the item forever be it a super god item or not the fact that you're creating a or rental system i mean they say that was an actually in place to create a sort of like a fair system where people could not just have god items permanently but look, the reality of it is you're not making things fair. You're just giving yourself this, you know, constant chain of this constant flow of money, which I do understand from the business perspective. But the fact that you're sacrificing, you know, the game itself and treating your users like cash cows—that's really inhumane. It really is. Actually, I mean, uh, these are people. They're even not, from a business, they're piggy banks. Even from a business perspective, you're also putting. Here's the thing, from a business perspective, this one, this is also risky because you're also putting your reputation on the line. Well, I mean, the reputation, it only matters if you're those big name companies. I mean, uh, we've seen this happen to Infinity Ward when they kind of turned their back on the PC market. They um, took a big hit there. Um, but for actually, like smaller things, actually, no, no, it actually did bite, it actually did, no, with Infinity Ward's case, it actually did bite them on the butt. It did. Um, not, so, not solely from the standpoint of the, of the of the consumers getting scored. Um, here's the thing. Talk about Infinity Ward now. Talk about Infinity Ward in the past. You're going to remember the founders of Infinity Ward when you talk about Infinity Ward in the past. Yeah. Here's the thing. I'm pretty certain 
I'm pretty certain that a number of the good, a number of the talent that made Infinity War well-renowned, you know, the good talent, pretty much also sympathize with the customers. Guess what? Most of them, not an Infinity War anymore. Infinity War right now, friggin' shell of what it used to be. You wanna, you wanna know what, 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 uh, the old Infinity War guys were up to? Which one? Titanfall. Oh yeah, I remember. Oh yeah, I remember that. We were working on that. But that's actually why Titanfall has a very Call of Duty type feel was because yeah. of the makers. Yeah. And actually, there's also another company right now. Uh, this is a little bit of news from us that uh, kind of laid off a lot of workers. Popcap. Oh yeah. All right. It also. Laid- if you want to lose Popcap, they're the ones who made uh, Pants vs. Zombie, and um, currently they made Garden Warfare. What? Oh wait. When did a very when- a really fun game? I actually tried it for a while. I would like to try, but wait, what, wait, I know about the layoff, I knew about that the layoffs happened sometime last year, but, um, I no, there's another set of layoffs recently. Oh, okay. Well, um, I know for a fact that the layoffs last year, no, excuse me, it, last year included <coughs> the maker of Plants vs. Zombies. Yep. Uh, <coughs> anyway, that was just a little bit of news. Going back to microtransactions. Basically, basically, the problem, basically, yeah. You basically you kind of are kind of a uh, kind of laying your reputation on the line when you go into using predatory microtransactions, especially consider especially considering the fact that well, that kind of reputation that uh, kind of rep- that uh, kind of need for reputation could also affect your your dealings with other companies if you want to try your hand at doing certain other kinds of projects or doing certain bigger projects. I mean, if you are blatantly known as the predatory company, as a predatory developer who made this and that scheme, <coughs> this and that scheme, yeah, but I'm also talking from the standpoint of smaller developers because let's face it, Zika. <coughs> let's face it, um, uh, not, it's not just a problem with, uh, with uh, the bigger, with a, a number of the bigger corporations. I know for a fact that a number of smaller entities are taking part in this why they want to make a quick buck oh yeah the big the big the, I, I bring this up as an issue because these same small developers probably will find a hard time getting deals getting lucrative deals with bigger companies with a number of bigger companies look because even if some of these bigger companies may be practicing it themselves they don't want to be blatantly they don't want to be clearly in league with someone who's clearly doing it oh yeah i mean uh you still have a face to put, to put up to make people kind of still go to you but yeah microtransactions it's just whole heavily used simply because of it can make so much money, and especially in the gaming community right now, well, in the game developers part where, well, gosh, I mean, right now it's a really huge business. I mean, they're make, you're making millions and millions of dollars off this thing. I suddenly became, I mean, the same reason people argue why do games look so similar. If you're an investor putting this uh, company up, putting this game up, you probably want a sure thing versus all these new experimental stuff, which we only see in indies. If you're an investor who does not know how game how games are made, you are going to want to go for the tried and tested. You want to go for the path of the path the path of most profit. Oh yeah, I mean I think that's a normal thing for everyone. I mean if you make a new system, that's a lot of investment, that's a lot of time, and less profit coming in. Um, and the, microtransactions are a great way to add on to that profit. And of these I, guys making money, you kind of want that. Though, <laughs> one thing I've realized about what we're talking a lot, of, a lot is we've mentioned um, 
to go back to the topic of uh, good microtransaction systems, I realize I also know another game that has a relatively good microtransaction system, but this might uh, but this might also be a rather interesting case because this game is not very similar to a number of other free to plays. Um, Warframe. Okay. Which is basic. Which is basically a which basically its microtransaction system is considered highly fair, but it but. I look at it, and it might also have to do with another part of War- of Warframe, which is the fact that the type of game it is also lends to that. Okay, can you uh, expound further on that? Warframe is a third person is a third is a four player third person free to play online sh- online shooter that that only has cooperative play modes. Okay, that sounds interesting. So you're always playing against gear, you're not be playing each other, maybe the scores or something. There's no real PVE. The main emphasis is working together. The microtransaction system is the microtransaction system put in place allows you to buy to basically buy certain warframe buy certain warframes, but none of these are locked out to regular players. And you could also buy platinum with your money, but you could also gain good good amounts of platinum via the regular missions in such a way that you don't even need to pay. Um, let's see. Um, I know for a fact that there are that there are that um for the most part weapons bought through microtransactions are pretty compare are actually pretty comparable with the weapons you start off with in the game. Okay. So basically. I I look at the system and I could see how the system is actually pretty fair in comparison to a number of other free to plays because like you know some your early guns are pretty much comparable with guns that would have been bought via microtransactions but um I also look at it that the game that the the kind of game it is also affects that I mean when with a lot of the games where we've talked about potential game breaking imbalance the general pattern is we're talking we're really talking from the standpoint of competitive games oh yeah but i mean it's not simply competitive games i mean i've seen microtransactions hurt things and break games from the economy standpoint in mmos yeah but then again but then again that's actually because mmos are also those said mmos are also just bigger beasts altogether so they not only have they not only have an um, uh, they, they have an overarching economy, they have a competitive aspect, they have a PvE aspect, and they have what I call the prestige aspect. What do you mean by prestige aspect? Basically, the prestige aspect is being able to be... is bas- <coughs> basically um, being accepted into playing the endgame content. Okay, okay, I see where you're coming from there. Uh, but I think even iOS gaming... Uh, you can actually see a lot of abuse, but at the same time, you can actually see games that surprisingly actually have really good uh, microtransactions. Okay. Uh, there's one game, uh, people who know me know I hate this game for a passion <coughs> because it's pretty much a copy of Crush the Castle. Wait, wait, you, wait. I'm gonna, yes, uh, Angry Birds. Wait, you're plugging Angry Birds? Okay, I don't like Angry Birds. Okay. I don't like it at all. I don't approve the game because it did steal from Crush the Castle. Okay. But I'll give Angry Birds this. It does actually have a kind of a good microtransaction. Okay. The fact that the microtransaction in uh, Angry Birds not being buying the game, obviously you are going to buy the game. It's not just, there's a demo. Uh, within the stages, there's a way you can actually solve the stage instantly using, I think those hit the Mighty Eagle or something. Yeah. I uh, saw so my nephew do that. Uh, you got this eagle by, I think, actually paying for it. Okay. Because uh, I remember my 
Uh, nothing tried to do that, but it had to do something with the uh, actual using the card and things. Okay. Not that for me, I actually consider good microtransaction because you're not exactly giving yourself an unfair advantage competitively or anything. You're simply saying, you know, I give up, I want to continue instead of racking my brain like crazy. Sure, okay, so let me go. I mean, I can't accept that. It's versus spending all the time and effort, you can just kind of skip through it. Mm. I kind of consider that good, but it's a borderline good because it doesn't really show you a way to solve the puzzle. Okay. But if you go to the game, which I actually like from the, uh, what's it, Ro what's the, what's the name, Roxio, Rio, or something? Rio. Uh, from the ones who made Angry Birds, uh, Bad Piggies. When yeah. you actually buy for the assistance from the mechanic, yeah, I can actually kind of find that one actually kind of amusing, just because it kind of shows you how you could have been done. Okay. So those things, you know, as bad as I don't like these games because of generally the ripoffs of stuff, they actually did use microtransactions well. Okay. And then like the other games, kind of like uh, Infinity Blade. Infinity Blade kind of used it in a good way as well. Okay. Infinity Blade was a uh, well, it's a you really need to grind a lot. Uh, it's a heavy grind game, but it's not impossible grind. Okay. Not like games like uh, Inosha 4. Now, I love the Inosha series. This is popular in the iOS and Android. Inosha 2, Inosha 3, three great games I enjoyed. Then Inosha <laughs> 4, Assassin Burkle. Great game until you hit the end. Yeah, I remember you mentioned that one because it was nearly impossible unless you played the game in a certain specific way. Oh, you had to play the game perfectly, as in you had to get every secret unlock every single thing, get the stuff you didn't even know existed <laughs> through your first playthrough. Because, I mean, when you play RPGs, generally, you know, it's a long playthrough. We never really have the second thing unless we look at uh, guides and stuff. And problem with lots of iOS RPGs is there's really no real guide online because the amount of people play it might be less, might be more. Uh, when it came to Enosha, there was a decent following to it because of the story and everything. But with Assassin Burkle, I mean... Uh, I did not look the guides. I just want to play through the game. Uh, the boss setups are fine. I mean, I just kind of, like most RPGs, I overlevel to beat the bosses easier, get through the game. I grind easily about one day per area just so I can always level up. Okay. But the last boss, the maximum level you could hit in Inosha, if I remember correctly, was 99 or 100. Okay. The final boss is level 102. Not just that, he's going to out-level you, and he's the First boss you fight that can summon mobs that are mini bosses, while at the same time having HP regen that kicks into high gear when you hit 50% of health. Now, if you have every single possible god item that you probably ever got through the game legitimately, you might win. It's not even assurance that you can win. It really is a small might. That's in your percentage from 1% chance of winning without the stuff, jump to maybe 20. Now, if you paid, which I did the math, was about $60, you could finish the game. Now, I was not about to play 60 bucks. I mean, I enjoyed the Nosha and everything, but it's not a $60 game. Uh, that's maybe 20 bucks. Uh, but when I saw the ending, because I wanted to see how the game ended and things, horrible ending. It's text-based, it's a cliffhanger, trying to make you go into the next game, like Nosha 5. Kind of like how Call of Duty Modern Warfare 1, 2, and 3 kind of set up, where they try to make you... Go to this uh, edge of your seat. Oh, you have to get the next game thing. Yeah. Problem is, Inosha 4 left such a horrible taste in your mouth because of the last experience that you didn't really care. Yeah, I can imagine. Inosha 3, fantastic. Inosha 4, especially. What I the reason why I liked Inosha 4 so much was it was one of the few RPGs where you played the bad guy. Okay. It was called Assassin of Burglar because you were playing the bad guy. You were playing really 
In all honesty, he was a villain. There was really nothing likable about him. He was someone who didn't mind killing women and children. He was someone that didn't mind doing all these awful things for money. He didn't have any real sense of honor. It was actually to, as the game progressed that he made these small choices where he just started getting this form of like uh, realizing maybe there's more to life than being this type of thing. Maybe yeah. there's more to life than this. So it was a really interesting change from being the bad guy slowly becoming not the good guy but more of a sort of anti-hero. He was still or basically a more basically a more aware or or basically still a villain but more aware but uh, more aware of the but more aware of the of the entirety of things. Yeah, and he suddenly didn't do things simply for his own self but for other people. Then you see in the final part where it hit the point where yeah, I would ra- it actually was an interesting message. It was actually similar message to a game I was working on for one of my friends before. Yeah, which was you know I'll set the world aflame to save this person I love. Where a long time ago it was, no, I'll set the world aflame just to get paid. So, he's still a bad guy. Yeah. I mean, you still said he's a bad guy. But the fact that you saw this change of character from realizing that there's more to the world than his own so, satisfaction. So, essentially, he's still a villain, but he's more aware of things. Yeah, I mean, it, the game never said he was a good guy. It never tried to make him a good guy. So, I found that really interesting, because <laughs> I've never seen an RPG. I mean, I've seen RPGs try to make you see the bad guy shift from the bad guy to this, you know, uh... He redeems himself and becomes a new savior. I mean, you've seen this in Red Dead where yeah. he becomes a sort of you know, savior in the end. He kind of shows that he tried to do his change. It wasn't the, it wasn't exactly the best transition, but in this game, no. There was no such transition. It was, I'm a bad guy, but suddenly I care about people. Huh. Well, so it was different kinda, and I enjoyed it. But yeah, the ending, you know, kicking the balls. You know... As a bit of an aside, that that did just why because of microtransactions. I need money. As a bit of an aside to what you just said about no show, why does why did that suddenly? I just from that just reminded myself of that just reminded myself of this guy. Weirdly enough, really okay. How so? Mostly because your main characters are clearly are well, they clearly act like villains. If you if you had to put them on the nine scale on the nine scales of 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 chaos. The nine scale that contains new the the nine scale that contains neutral chaos and okay, the alignment you mean the, basically the nine the the alignment I'll call it a square since technically that's what the three that, that's what uh you could do with three with uh you know nines with the number nine if you turn them into like yeah, boxes okay. all of them okay at, at least with um with uh with the main character uh with Laharl and Mao. You're looking at you're looking clearly at people who are who are either who lean either nu- neutral evil or chaotic evil. Okay. <laughs> like literally. I look at the way they act and yeah. That's well, not neutral the... evil. It's true evil. You have true uh, evil. Yeah. Yeah, because you have a chaotic, true, and lawful. lawful. Yeah. Ba- basically, I see them straddling the lo- the true and chaotic line. But yeah, basically evil. Yeah. Uh. Okay. Though somewhat, though though port, though framed in a rather in a rather com- though at times framed in rather comedic fashions. Okay, I mean that's always interesting. But yeah, I mean uh, for you, did suddenly microtransactions was going there, or is it just an aside? No, nope. <laughs> it was just an aside. And with regards to microtransactions, um, I can't really comment. I don't really have as much experience with microtransactions as Miko here, mostly because one, I. Yes, I don't have a mo. I do not have a smart device. Well, no. no. Well, you, you do things your in your Vita. That oh. counts, right? No, 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 no. Okay, fine. The Vita is a smart device, but I don't have a smartphone, so no access to the App Store, no access to Google Play, and um, 
I do know, however, that I follow this. I have followed discussions, and I have encountered this every time I I dabble with the snort devices of friends and family. I remember dealing with. I remember dealing with one one tower defense game where it's a lot of tower defense games. I forgot the name. It was like a sci-fi theme, sci-fi military themed. So basically, you were trying to destroy tanks and whatnot. Loons is an awesome tower defense game. Yep. It's now on iPhone. It's not just on Newgrounds anymore. Please tell me there's more. Oh, wait. There, there has to be microtransactions. Oh, heck yeah. <laughs> Predatory or not? Kinda. Okay. Um, basically, with this tower defense game, I, yeah, I was doing pretty well for the most part until I hear it hit this one level where I decided to like mix and match around the different configurations of the towers and the placements. I could not finish it. And suddenly, it kind of dawned on me that... I might have been able to finish it if I just utilized the, you know, the, you know, those, those things that give you, you know, the, I'll call them the retry crystals. Yeah. And then I realized that those are the same crystals that you can only get with money. And yeah, that may, that may have been the, that was probably the biggest stick out microtransaction thing that happened in my head. That and the two cases of uh, fee to pay that were pretty annoying. I did mention Forza, but actually every launch game launch game of the Xbox One had the microtransactions. Okay, since I never really played much on the Xbox, mainly because I was on the PlayStation, uh, can you explain further on that? Then? Each of those games had a form of microtransactions. Uh, Crimson Dragon, which was essentially made by the guy who, who made uh, uh, Panzer Dragoon. Mm-hmm. Had microtransactions for retries, microtransaction, uh, the microtransaction where you could buy retries, buy dragon evolutions, buy currency. However, the most predatory was obviously Forza, because 600 hours to unlock. Um, but, um, I also know for a fact that Rise, Son of Rome, also had, uh, microtransactions that affected the multiplayer. In fact, most of them were geared towards affecting the multiplayer. Uh, let's see. Um, I know that Dead Rising 3 had microtransactions, but I don't think it affected the game too much. Then again, the game was mostly single player. Okay. And I don't seem, and I think that's probably why, why I haven't heard much talk about its microtransactions. And Killer Instinct, the new one, is technically a microtransaction system in a similar way to, uh, LOL. Okay. Basically, but in the sense that you could buy champions in LOL so that yeah. you don't have to worry about... You don't have about to go for that whole, like, scramble, right? The whole random scramble every week for... Ran- random scramble every week so you could, like, you know, practice with a character. Basically, that's how it worked in... That's how it's working right now in Killer Instinct. Hmm. Basically, when you buy Killer Instinct as a game, you were just buying the characters. <laughs> but... Okay. But basically, that, yeah, that's basically the thing I found out about the nature of my trip, about the fact that, you know, all the, that nearly all the Xbox One launch games had microtransactions attached to them. Oh, yes, and mind you, a number of the, um, let's see, Forza 5, Rise Son of Rome, and Rise Son of Rome are, were six, no, are $60 retail games. Oh, okay. Full price with micros. Yes, that's why I use. That's why I, you know, uttered the term that uh, Jim Sterling so equi- eloquently mentioned at one Jimquisition. Fee to pay. 
Oh gosh, I mean, I, I think this also reminds me of how the Elder Scrolls Online's kind of looking where it's uh, full retail with monthlies. Does it also allow microtransactions? I'm pretty sure it's going to. Will they be predatory is my next question. That one I'm not yet sure yet because uh, Zenyath, uh, Zenyath, the one who's making it, they're kind of new into the game. Not not new, well, not Zen- really new in. Let me guess. Zenimax, it's, sorry, it's Zen- Zenimax. Zenimax Studio, so not the, si- not the same studio... It's not the exact same studio that worked with uh, Skyrim. No, no. Uh, the mother's, the main company that makes uh, Elder Scrolls series is Bethesda. But Bethesda never remade an MMO. So they left it to Zenimax, who has experience in doing this. Now, the problem about that is I am not <coughs> agreeable at all to paying full retail and, and fifth- also being forced to pay... Subscription. Subscription. I mean, uh, you can't really have both of it. If you're making me pay full retail, then you know there's other ways you can make money off me. If you're playing for monthly, hey, it's fine. But to get both, like, at the same time, with no real, like, a buffer, like, I, I, yeah, maybe I'll pay full retail and it comes with, like, a free six months? That sounds fine. But you make me do that and pay right at, right off the bat? You know, uh, I, I'm not made of money. Um, you know, I'm a fan, I, but I'm not made of money. Actually, I did hear that there was a, there was a way to, like, you buy the, you buy the game and you, they'll actually give you a few free months. Problem with that, pre-order. Oh gosh, that's not a real. That's pre-order bonus. Yeah, and that's problematic. Also, that's a whole bitch problem. I think we talked about that in the nut in the last, last uh, topic we did. Um. Oh, uh, actually, I think that was retailer specific. Also, uh, but yeah, microtransactions. There again, well, let's make clear they're not DLCs. They don't add content. It's buying things that are already in the game. Uh, either to improve your skill stats or affect your game. Be it in a poor way or a great way. Poor way meaning that it's just kind of killing the game experience. Or Especially, I've seen this in Gunbound, where people buy out all these crazy super items and said she's kind of run you over. Basically, a bad microtransaction pretty much either ruins the game for a lot of people, especially the people who are free to who are the free to play players, or basically ruin the economy such that you end up making everyone chase after certain items like headless chickens. Hmm. However, however, when done well, you're creating a system that, well, gives convenience to people that, who, that would want to get into the game but would otherwise not have the time to do so, which is what um, happened in... What was the example you gave again? I mean, that happened actually with Ragnarok. That also happened, I think, not with WoW. It was, I think it was, uh, was it Flife or something, where there was some kind of a transaction. I don't remember the games in... I played different MMOs. Well, I, well, basically, as I also mentioned, and another good implementation is basically just restricting it to trinkets, or basically... Well, the the other one might... This other one might... This other one, I feel, hasn't been dealt into much. Much, and I'm pretty certain there's still, there are ways that could, uh, you know, mess around with this. But maybe dealing with certain, you know, different, basically dealing with, uh, well, because when I looked, when I mentioned Warframe, it did remind me, may, I don't know, was that about the possibility of, say, an, of, say, a kind of micro, ah, uh, my brain died. <laughs> um, wait, um, a kind of microtransaction system that would work, but basically it works really well. And is not too too bad because of the nature of the game. Because well, I guess Warframe is mostly a comp- is mostly cooperative. So bas- so basically so basically it maybe it's easy maybe it's just easier to make a working microtransaction system in an environment that isn't well awkwardly competitive. I guess. Yeah. I mean, I guess to me, long story short, 
a good example of bad microtransactions is the second you start using your money, suddenly all FTP <clears throat> become fodder. Once FTP becomes fodder because you paid, that's bad. But on the other hand, a good on the other hand, two good examples of good microtransactions. If you are a person who is very constrained with time, but you when you pay, it allows you to it allows you to enjoy the game. It not necessarily make you make you a god amongst men, but still allows you to enjoy the game with with other people. Yeah, simply just a way to catch up. I mean, in reality, especially us older gamers, we don't really have the time to spend. The other, the other good implementation is one that microtransaction system. Well, either just gives you fun, fun and interesting cosmetic items, or just Cats. or basically it'll still give you extra items. But these items, but these items still have accessible equivalents or superior items through normal progression. Anyway, those are that's our thoughts about the whole concept of microtransactions. Sensei, a lot of bad because of the abuse. We're looking at you, game developers. I'm, of course, there are a good bit of good to it. And there's actually a rising number of good mm -hmm. examples. And we'd love to hear your opinions. I mean, you can leave your comments down below. You can probably contact us via Channel 14. I think there's some details there to get us, uh, send, send us over an email and things. We'd love to hear what you guys think. Do you think uh, microtransactions are all good? Do you think they're all bad? Do you think they're going to be the end of this gaming situation? Do you th or do you think that may that maybe the current the current nature of microtransactions is that this weird kind of crossroads fork web thing that is currently that that feels like it's splitting into every other every place like in multiple threads like a messed up spaghetti plate? Yep. Let us know in the comments below. And hey, check out Channel 14 to see our shows like Third World Linux. Our show, of course, and the semi-rare Bodega Nights, but I'm pretty sure there's one coming up soon. That'll probably be a summer... That'll probably be resurrected in summer, when we actually have time to do stuff with certain people. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed the show. this point, this is the off-tangent section where we talk about things that probably we didn't talk about in the show. Cause off-tangent. Yeah. Yeah. So how's the school going and all the studies? Yeah. Is it making your brain go dead like how it did for my diet? It's actually, to be honest, the biggest headache of my studies is over. Yeah. The biggest my headache has just begun. <laughs> the biggest headache of my studies was essentially this IT homework. Where we essentially had to fill up about 20 plus pages of activities and code um, the equivalent of two websites. Standard HTML, so it's not anything too difficult. Numbers and coding. Well, yeah. No, more like words. Oh god, letters have come in. <laughs> um, but basically, I'm. Once math and coding starts having letters, numbers, and all those little symbols, you know you're deep in it. But suddenly, I'm I've been coming to a realization now that what's running through my head isn't so much school, like like it's weird, like what's coming into my head now, like um a few real it's like a bit of realization. It's also a bit of me mentally preparing, and also feeling a little uh overwhelmed or weird or like you know maybe I should probably already be doing doing this. Let's see things that that have been running through my head. One. After this sem, I will I will technically start becoming a working man. 
because my subsequent two SEMs, the last SEMs, one I will probably take on summer and the other I will be taking in first SEM, will have so few subjects that I can actually do something that I've been that I've been bringing up with my parent, with my parents and my brother nonstop for the past year or so, which is the fact that I really want to work already. Is this selling cars? Helping business in general, so not only selling cars, basically also managing distribution, uh, fixing coffee machines, what else are we doing? Uh, talking, talking with, uh, um, uh, helping real estate and whatnot and whatnot. Other thought, and this is the weirder one, finding a life partner, mm. finding a mate. Me? What's my diet made me think of? What? I've come to realize that it's a really sad diet and I've been craving fried chicken. Seriously, I've been having nightmares <laughs> about eating food. Okay, in fairness, like... Wait, wait, nightmares? Like, okay, it's okay. gotten that bad. Okay, wait, it's not this... nightmares, but I mean, in fairness, the dream is really, really nice. I'm really happy. I guess the bad part is I wake up. So that's what... So the nightmares... The nightmares kind of like, you know, you, no, no. you wake up. It's so like, techno... False hope. So technically, okay, since you slept last night... Technically, you're living the nightmare right now. Yeah, kind of. I mean, uh, sleeping's nice because you get eat as much as you want. Okay. But yeah, uh, glad your like stress is dropping mine. Oh yeah, diets just started, and I've been having the shakes, the chills. Like, uh, I've been going crazy through the day. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's I, not I, fun. Okay. The good part, I've lost ten pounds of fat, gained a bit more pounds of uh, muscle, which is great. But uh, yeah, I've been craving chicken. I've been smelling it. Seriously, my sense of smell. Has been so sharp. I can smell the chicken's been room for like two. It was just been there like what two days ago. Dude, it's bad. It's like and and the worst thing that's happened to me is hallucination. I have it. No, it's like I hallucinate people are calling my name or something or talking about me. I remember that when I had well, not dengue. It was like a uh the thing you get when you eat a uh, salmonella. There you go. I How did you get salmonella? I have no idea. Did you lick your hands after holding a toad? Hmm. Now, I don't really recall. I mean, uh, I don't want to say the business damage, mainly because, you no, know, it's not really nice to say those things. But, you no, know, people in Jollibee would really be upset if I mentioned it. <laughs> but anyway, I mean, uh, it's not all bad. So, I mean, maybe it's just been that one time it just happens. It's it's about that. I mean, like restaurants, you can have, like, one problem, and it's just your major chain. It could occur. But, so, uh, so yeah, basic. I got uh, really sick, and I remember it so vividly because... Uh, I was sick during my graduation, my college graduation. Yeah. During my college graduation, I felt like I just wanted to die. I just didn't want to do anything at all. I missed the graduation party, which everyone reminds me was absolutely awesome. But you know, I've never been there. So, you know, they, I just have to hear these stories about these awesome things that happened. Someone said a bear appeared. I don't believe that, but for all I know, it might have happened. All I want at that point... Was to kind of like crawl up into, like, you know, get into a little ball in the bed in the field position and just kind of like disappear. Yeah. And I also remember at the same time, uh, after the graduation, yeah, I kind of just got, you know, I got my lemonade, which I kind of created for some reason, curled up into a ball somewhere in the dark room and had auditory and visual hallucinations <coughs> for like the next five hours. Oh, wait, did you say visual? Auditory and visual, yeah. It was really, really bad. The worst that's happened to me. Is auditory hallucinations. I know, I have both. I have only at times there were times that I actually thought I had auditory uh, visual hallucinations, but in reality, it's just me finding people in USPF who happen to look very similar to people I met in Bodega. Uh, I saw a guy who looked like AG in USPF. I saw a guy that looked like like Filipino version, full Filipino Mike 
<laughs> I saw a guy that reminded me of Buck. Uh, I'm fairly so I see lots of people remind me of Buck. I'm not sure why. It might be the bald head. Uh, the bald, bald head and glasses is, is not too hard to replicate. But actually, recently, I saw someone who... Gosh, uh, I honestly thought it was JJ. Okay, he's yeah. a guy. He's a guy I have not uh, seen an, an approximation locally. I honestly thought it was JJ. I mean, I, had, uh, I was actually going around being a yell at that point. I honestly thought JJ was like, it looks like I, I was almost about to yell towards him. But like, no, no, this can't be JJ because he's kind of too thin. That's right, JJ. You gotta get a bit of weight. So like, it might be JJ, but no, no, this is like thin JJ, and JJ's yeah. kind of big right now. So you know, I just didn't risk it. I don't know. I always thought JJ was a bit rotund. No, no before he was body. actually thin. I mean, I remember when he was thin. Okay, this then must have been also I saw someone who kind of looked like JV, but then it was JV before he became, you know, current JV. So his current JV is a seal. No, no, no. Current JV is a very, very healthy person. Let's go with that. <laughs> Would you say he's, still, he's a little too healthy? Mm, he's European healthy, not American healthy. <laughs> so, okay, I see where you're getting. But yeah, I mean, uh, I guess maybe it's also because, you know, it's, we've hung out with these guys for like, what, five years? Maybe five years easy. So yeah, it's kind of, we kind of, as far as we miss them, because we don't we go to Manila that often. Yeah. I might be hanging to Manila again just for maybe just quick visiting or other news. Maybe I'll, shows and stuff. I'll be headed to Manila this summer because my dad wants to have a serious vacation because of all the stress that we that that um, he and my mom are actually going through running the business. Who goes to Manila for us to relax for a vacation? That beats me. My, my I was surprised when my dad was telling me this because because usually when my dad describes going to Manila, he describes work. Because he normally has to talk with his uh, brothers and sis with his uh, brothers and sister uh, sisters there about you know fa- running ancestral property and whatnot. Heck, I mean, I went to Manila like last February, actually just read to see the boys. Yeah, and I was already a bit stressed by being there. I I'm I went there with no other reason than I to hang out the guys ju- and still got stressed. I am jarred by my father's decision to go to Manila for a vacation. It perplexes me. It perplex it perplexes me, despite the fact that I would like to go to Manila. It just it just like makes my head yeah. tore. That then again that then again my that then again my head spinning is pretty much describing the entire state of my head right now because you know I wouldn't say I'm going to stress to stress more so that I'm in a weird point in my life. Oh, such a weird point where, uh, mates. I think I'm gonna I. Th- Ah, uh, yeah, that was a weird. Yeah, that was a weird thought. But yeah, I'm a, I am am actually looking towards finding a mate now. Run.